Sassy and Save Podcast on three. One, two, three. Sassy and Save Podcast. What's up? Um, I want to bring back the question period question box just because my question box is full. I have not been answering questions. Um, for anybody who's new, if this is your first podcast, um, it's your girl T coming to you live. My name is Teresa. I am 25. Ah, 25 years old. I just have my birthday. Um, that's why I type. I'm 25 years old. I live in Ottawa, Canada. I love the Lord. And this, this is, I know I said end like that. This is a podcast, um, the Sassy and Save podcast under the Sassy and Save movement, a movement that has a vision to break the walls of religion in the church. And that's the Spark Notes or the T Notes version as we call it on this podcast. So one thing I like to do from time to time, especially when the box is full, is answer questions before we get into the episode. I have an anonymous question box where viewers, listeners, or anybody like yourself or your friend can go in and ask a question anonymously. And I try to the best of my knowledge, ability, and by the grace of God to answer your questions because knowledge makes the difference. Knowledge is power. And that is how we change and transform our lives. Amen. So today I'm just going to pick a couple questions. Um, I was asked some questions on Instagram today, so I want to go with those ones because I think they're relative. And then I'll probably pick a few from the box as well. By the way, my Instagram is where it's at. If you're not following me, at Teresa Adjamang. My name is on the flyer, so you can see it there. Or at Sassy and Saved MVMT, but definitely follow the kid because that's where all the social interaction goes down. That's where we have all the conversations. That's where, um, I feel like Instagram gets everything before y'all. Like, that's where things happen first, and then the podcast gets it after. You guys get like the remnant or the seconds of what goes down on Instagram. So, definitely. Um, make yourself a part of the Instagram world. A world to the wise is enough. A word. <laughs> a word to the wise is enough. Anywho, today I was asked on Instagram. Uh, let me just read the question. The question was... Let me just go on my Instagram right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, waist speeds. Okay, so the first question, two questions. The first question was, what are your thoughts on waist speeds? I remember being younger and a few people would say that they're demonic. And then the second question was, do you agree in a relationship only one person can be more saved than the other? Okay, so when it comes to the waist beads question, which is what I shared, basically the story behind waist beads, what I was taught being Ghanaian, West African descent, Ghana stand up, um, is that in the olden days in Africa, all over, not just Ghana, not just Ghana, before scales were a thing, before they were invented, um, waist beads were used for weight, weight, weight tracking. Waist beads were used for weight tracking. So you would put the beads on and you would be able to tell if you've gained weight or you've lost weight. If obviously the beads are tighter, you've gained weight. If they're looser, you've lost weight. So that is how they gained, they were able to gauge their weight. That was their scale at that time. And then as time progressed, it also began, and as time progressed, it also became um, like a natural waist trainer. They would put it on around the waist of a child or females of any age really um to to work as a waist trainer so you would put it on, uh, directly on the waist and obviously you want to eat you want to eat to a point where the the beads don't break so it would be like a natural waist trainer for women which would eventually shape them 
Um, today I hear it has different meanings. I see some people talking about how it's spiritual healing and cleansing and a deben deben. We don't know. Everybody has their own take on what waste beads are today. You know, people just started, you know, all the false prophets, false teachers just came and started giving their rendition on what the thing is. But when it comes to the question in and of itself, if it's demonic or not. The way I see it, my opinion is, there's nothing in the world that's in and of itself demonic. Unless like you actually go to a witch and they give you like a feather or like a pot and like you chant and fly in the night. Like, okay, obviously that's demonic. But like your everyday thing, I can't say this is demonic, anklets are demonic, waist beads are demonic. Like I can't, I don't feel like we can say a certain, we can't generalize, that's what I'm looking for. We can't generalize a certain object as being demonic or mamawata or whatever you're so told is. Because everyday objects are used in the spiritual world. Like. Anybody that is a witch can take a shoe, a piece of hair, a spray bottle, a picture. They can take anything and they can chant some words and obviously that thing will now become demonic. The object in of a and the object in and of itself is not the demonic is not demonic but it's the words the chants the spirits that are attached to an object and that can be attached to any single thing obviously there's some people that have worn waist beads and yes been under demonic control but there's some people that have worn waist beads and have not like i used to wear waist beads and i, I would like to think that i was not <laughs> under demonic control but i mean hey who knew i took them off personally because i just it just wasn't for me anymore like it was just annoying and i got fat the things were breaking like it just not sorry but like I, there's people that wear them that are under demonic attack and there's people that don't that that wear them that are not so we can't say it is demonic spirits can enter anything people that go thrifting you're exposing yourself to spirits you're wearing somebody else's clothes if the person is a witch hey when you even and not even thrifting like I've, I've seen and I've watched things on YouTube where witches and, and evil people say that they go into stores and they touch mirrors and they touch frames and they touch pictures so that when you bring it to your house, they now have um, evil eye or monitoring eye on you. We go to restaurants and we eat from forks that everybody in the world has used. People that fly at night, true witches, are using those forks and then that's the same fork you use to put in your mouth to eat your food and you're sitting there thinking that yeah, you've done something, you've gone to the restaurant, you've you're exp you're low-key exposing yourself to demonic attack you know like everything when you sit on the bus you don't know who you're sitting beside say if the person that was sitting on the seat before you came and they said whoever sits on this seat next shall be paralyzed or shall have not a fruitful marriage you don't know like everywhere you go you have everywhere you go everything in life can expose you to spiritual or demonic attack. And this is why we need to have a prayer life. This is why it's important that we have to pray. You plead the blood, you wake up and you plead the blood of Jesus. You say, you decree and declare that nothing shall harm you. As I go out, as I come in, nothing shall harm me in this day. This is what I say. Father, as I go out and I come and I decree and declare that nothing shall harm me. Anything that is meant for evil, anything that is meant to ruin me, to destroy me, to dilute, to poison the anointing, the call, the purpose that you have for my life. I cancel it in the mighty name of Jesus. I plead the blood, the blood on Jesus, the blood of Jesus that was shed on Calvary for my sake. I plead it over my household. I plead it over my family. I plead it over myself. I cover myself. I douse myself. That's what I say. I douse myself in the blood of Jesus that I may be drenched. 
plead the blood, buy shoes, plead the blood, walk into the bus, plead the blood. That's what the Bible says. Play, pray. That's what the Bible tells us to pray without season. Plead, plead the blood all day, every day on everything. Those who have, those who have ears, let them hear. Second question: When it comes to being saved, can one be more saved than the other? Absolutely not. Um, I say this all the time. I've said it many times. We are not saved by works. We are not. We are not saved by works. We are not saved by works. And I know we get confused and we think we do things so that we can be saved, so that we can make heaven, so that we, be, we can be loved by God. That is not true. The things that you do for God, for the kingdom, your physical actions cannot save you. What saves you is what the Bible tells us. Confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord. That is what saved you. So we're all saved the same. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you are saved. Just because you do just because you do ministry or are in ministry or whatever it is you do doesn't make you more spiritually higher or say it doesn't make you more saved than somebody because you do more for God. No, everybody's the saved, the sa- everyone is saved the same or saved by grace. Now, when it comes to marriage, one person typically carries the mantle in the marriage. While both people are anointed, both people are called of God, both people will do great things, one person typically carries the mantle. But even so, that's not all the time. Sometimes you'll see that both people carry the mantle. But typically one person does. But that doesn't mean that the other person just sits on the sidelines and watches and just, you know, claps for everybody and just lives a, a trash life. No, you they both do kingdom work, they both fulfill purpose, they both do everything. It's just that one person carries the mantle. So the other person sort of supports that person in carrying the mantle for the marriage. But regardless of that, marriage is a partnership. So you need to know how to move in and out of season. In a certain season, it may be the man. The man is on top. The man is known by everyone. The man is the one that's traveling, doing this, this, this. And the woman is at home watching kids or whatever it is that she's doing. Or holding her nine to five or whatever. And then in another season, that may switch. And then the woman will be on top and the man has to support the woman. And marriage is a partnership. So you just need to know how to move in and out of season. You need to know how to hear from God. You need to know what time and what what when is the time and when is the season to do things. Sometimes it's the man, sometimes it's the woman sometimes it's both at the same time and then the next question and final question is what is the hardest part about what you do love it okay so the hardest part about what I did when I when I was reading the questions earlier I was thinking about it and and I know what my answer is the hardest part about what I do probably would be obeying being obedient to the voice of God um I say that because what I've learned recently um even like especially is that um just because God is teaching me something doesn't mean that it's the word for it doesn't mean it's the word to share. Like, I have a habit. I want to say a habit. Yeah, I have a habit of um, trying to share. Uh, I have a habit of sharing what I learn from God in my quiet time. Which, I mean, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm spending quiet time with God. He reveals something to me. And it's like, wow, this is so cool. I want to share it with someone. And I want to share it with the world. Which is not a bad thing. But um, I've learned that 
when God calls you, he calls you to a particular people to solve a particular issue for a particular thing, right? And what I'm learning personally in my quiet time with God is for what I'm going through now, for who I am, for the season that I'm entering in or currently in. But it may not be necessarily be the word in season for those I'm called, for those I'm called to. And it shouldn't be a situation where I'm seeking God for a message or I'm seeking God for something to share. I should be seeking God in my own quiet time for me, for my own personal growth. And then also seeking him again, because you should not get tired of the presence of God for what it is that I should be sharing with those who he has called me to and those he has trusted me with in this season. So um, just being obedient to that and being able to discern and understand that this is for me right now. This is something I may be able to share later, but right now that's not the word. That's not what God is saying. Be able to hear what God is saying and be able to share it the way God is saying it. Because um, it can be really discouraging sometimes when you pray and you receive a word or a topic that you want to talk about or share and you see that the response is not it's not really lit like people are not really responding people are not really sharing no one's really commenting you're like wow did i actually hear god or should i have said this should i have said that but like no that's the word that god asks you to share because somebody needs that word so being able to be obedient to a fault like it doesn't matter if people are not responding well it doesn't matter if people don't find it great put the word up this is the word i told you to 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 share so share that word and i've seen it happen so many times where i've shared a word and there was no response everyone was like um nah so i'm like dang like maybe that was not the word i should have talked about relationships because millennials always want to talk about relationships but um i would find like weeks months weeks and even months later that well i find that weeks and even months later that somebody randomly will find themselves listening to that same message that i post that nobody like show love to and they would say that that is the very word that they needed to get them through so there was a reason why god wanted me to put it there so that would be there when he sends that person so just being able to obey to a fault to a t and hearing god and seeking him for what he wants to say to his people not necessarily what he wants to say to you but what he wants to say to his people so that's probably the hardest part but it's something that i'm working on okay we're going on 20 minutes for a q a that is wild i hope that when i edit it it's gonna be lower but um if it's not i'm sorry um yeah i'm gonna try to put in the show notes that the real episode starts at 20 minutes or whatever time it starts in but i hope you do listen to the q a because it's how we are blessed anyways let's get into the episode because i know that's why you're here this is not clickbait so yeah yeah keep listening for the episode thank you i refuse to believe that this is my fate as a woman this cannot be it i was not born to be a trophy wife i'm talking about growth it's a measure of me versus me yesterday versus me two days ago not a measure of me versus you we're trying to raise women that understand that they can be classy they can be beautiful they can be petty they can be smart they can be knowledgeable they can be independent we are a new generation of women we are not conformed or confined by everything that society has placed out for us we're breaking out of the mold and creating something new for ourselves we are sassy and safe baby society what's up how you doing oh my gosh how long has it been too long 
every time I come on here, I enter like that. How long has it been? Too long. And then I say this line, I'm going to do better. And then I don't do better. Pray for me. Oh my God, but your girl is different now because I just celebrated my 25th birthday. What quarter century in the house? Somebody praise him. 25 on a big mountain. I'm grown, y'all. I'm grown. I'm 25 now. Quarter century birthday. Um, now when I fill out surveys, I can't fill out 19 to 24. I gotta fill out 25 to 30. I'm a big woman. It's time to get my life together. So yeah, your girl has grown, improved. And um, a lot of y'all sent me messages and posted me and did all the lovey-dovey stuff, sent me presents and seeds. And I just want to take the time to appreciate y'all and thank y'all for everything that you did for the kid. Um, obviously, it's much appreciated. You do not owe me anything. You don't have to listen to my podcast. You definitely don't have to show me love. You definitely do not have to send me anything, but many of you guys did. So shout out to you guys that show me love. I really felt celebrated. I really felt honored i i i was like overwhelmed i cried a couple times thug tears because you know what it is thug life forever but yeah your girl has grown a year older and i hope you'll be able to see the growth amen i hope that um my growth and my new age will bear fruit and um this year and moving forward in the podcast you will be able to see that indeed this girl has grown a year older and her her anointing her depth her wisdom and everything that comes with a new age will increase may i increase on every side and not simply in age that's the word somebody but that's not the word for today anywho as you can see from the title today we're going to be talking about church hurt um obviously this is a very relative and important topic anybody that is in church probably has experienced some sort of church hurt um a lot of times we see it going around on the gram on twitter wherever you do your socials and you see that um it's a topic that is um is a topic that one that um that many people chime into i feel like believers or unbelievers everybody always has something to say about church hurt and for a lot of people it's church hurt that drove them away from not only church but god so i feel like it's time that we face it head on we understand what church hurt is why it's affecting us and what we can do to stop to stop and prevent people from not leaving just church but leaving the body of Christ. So, you already know how we do. If you wait, let's talk about it. All right, all right, all right. So, church hurts. Let's get into it. Heavenly Father, um, I just pray that you, O Lord, will anoint my lips of clay to speak the thus saith the Lord. Lord, as I have prayed, so shall it be. I pray that you will use me, Father, in this moment to bring healing to someone, to bring awareness, to bring teaching, knowledge to someone, that someone will be changed, someone will be affected, that a seed will be planted, watered, or fire will be reignited in the heart of your son or daughter today that as they listen to this podcast oh god the very thing that they've been praying and seeking oh god will be answered and if it is not answered oh god it will open a channel for you to answer them lord i pray that you will use me i avail myself and that your presence will be revealed and felt in jesus mighty name i pray amen church hurt okay so church hurt um how did this even come up um so i was asked in my anonymous question box who has had the most positive influence on me and my answer was leaders in the church and people were like mad shocked that i would say that because 
usually when you talk about leaders in the church, it's not positive. <laughs> so people were like, what? Like leaders in the church? But really, um, the people that have had the most positive influence in my life have been those that I was submitted to in church. And the experiences and I realized and I was thinking about it and I realized the fact, the fact that people are so surprised is like dang like people don't like church leaders eh <laughs> like for real and so much so that the term church hurt has been birthed it's it's been coined to describe the experiences of people in church now me personally I actually like really dislike the the, the term church hurt because I just think it's the agenda of the enemy I shared a tweet um a couple days ago, I think. Maybe it was like last week. Let me read it out to y'all. Um, I shared a tweet that said... Let me find it. Hold on. I shared a tweet. What did I tweet say? I thought it said... Yeah, I did. I shared a tweet that said, The church is the only institution where hurt is location specific. You get hurt everywhere, yet there's no school hurt, there's no work hurt, there's no gym hurt, there's no grocery store hurt, parking lot hurt. You know, there's no hurt in none of those places. There's only church hurt. Why? Because Satan wants to discredit a place meant to heal as a place of hurt. Wake up. Which is true because... (laughs) That's what Satan wants to do. The church is meant to heal, but he wants to discredit it. That's what Satan does. He he aims to perverse what God intends for good. So whatever God has set out as a good thing, he will try to discredit it as the father of lies and make it a bad thing so that people don't take advantage of it. And so that's why I hate the term church hurt because I just think it's so stupid. Like, you get hurt everywhere. Where's the rest of the hurts? But church hurt is branded? Get out of here. That's the ploy of the enemy. You can't fool me. Now, I'm not discrediting the fact that people get hurt in church. Definitely not. I have been hurt in church. Um, I'm just saying that, like, the perspective needs to switch from it being church hurt to just simply hurt. The church the church is an institution. Like work, like school, like the gym. It's, it's an institution. All these places you can get hurt. All places that contain people. The church itself does not hurt. The people inside it do. So it's not, we can't, so I just feel like we can't say, oh, church hurt, church hurt. And I get why people can't, people identify so much with church hurt because I guess that is a place where you just don't expect people to hurt you there because it's supposed to be a happy-go-lucky place. But that is wrong mentality. I'm here to correct you today that that is wrong mentality. For you to think that, oh, you can't get hurt in church because of the type of place it is. It's a place of God. It doesn't matter. Where people are, people where people are, you will be hurt. Where humans are, you will be hurt. The church itself doesn't do the hurting. The humans do, okay? I'm talking about betrayal, betrayal from people that you trusted. I'm talking about talking about betrayal from people that you looked up to for guidance. I'm talking about people that ended up harming you more than those in the world. I'm talking about putting your trust and your faith in people of position and being disappointed. Now, I'm sure you've heard before that the church is a hospital for the sick. And this is true. It's a true thing. The church is a hospital for the sick. So many of us come into the church sick and like a true hospital, our infirmities are on display. Everybody can see our sickness. Everybody can see our sickness. 
if you go to a hospital now and someone has a broken leg, you'll see it. If someone has an IV attached to them, you'll see it. If someone is going through pain or what be it, most likely you'll see it. Now, if you were to enter into a real hospital today, most people wouldn't hide the fact that they're sick because they recognize the location that I'm at is okay for me to bear my infirmity. I'm at a place where we're all sick and so I don't have to hide it. I'm sick, that's why I'm here, right? Which is the same as the church, well, used to, <laughs> I guess, in these times. You can't bear, you can't really bear your infirmities in the church without being judged or without being judged or, or demonized for them. That's something we need to work on as a body of Christ. But it should be a place <laughs> where you can bear your infirmities because it's a hospital and we're all sick. But I think the, the, the place where people get confused when it comes to church, which I guess causes this church hurt, quote unquote, is the fact that there is only one physician. Much like a true hospital, there are lots of doctors, there are nurses, there are administrators there to administer treatment, okay? But they don't do the healing. I feel like people in the hospital understand that, like the real hospitals, but people in the church don't. When you go to a hospital, there are doctors, there are nurses, and they administer treatment, but ultimately, they can't heal you. And so many times you'll find hospital chapels full and you'll find people that never believed in God their whole life. But once they're in the hospital, but once they're in the hospital, they begin to pray. A lot of people get saved on their, on their deathbeds in the hospital because it's in that moment that they realize that there is one physician. That the doctors, that the nurses, that, that the doctors, that the nurses that come in and give them medicine and administer all treatments can do everything they can to keep them, to, can do everything they can to help them and to keep them. But they can't heal them. They're giving them supplements. They're giving them things to equip them. Medicine, they're giving them treatment and the tools they need to equip them for the journey ahead. To be able to withstand their infirmities to with able to to be able to withstand their sicknesses but they can't heal them you never heard i uh, can you ever can you can you honestly say you've ever heard or a, of a doctor or a nurse that healed somebody no they gave them the tools and the treatment that they need to eventually get them there or to to be able to withstand like to be able to 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 handle their infirmity but they don't do the healing God does the healing. And this is why people that are in hospitals recognize and more times turn to Christ. The problem is with church, we have our own doctors and our own nurses. Our doctors are the pastors and our nurses are the leaders. But in the same way, they're only there to administer treatment, not do the healing. God does the healing. Why? Because doctors, nurses, pastors, leaders can get sick too. When I believe the issue with church hurt is that we place doctors, nurses, pastors, leaders on a pedestal. We put them in a position so high and because they are the face and they are the representation of the hospital, sometimes we fail to connect with the physician himself. We become so attached to the to those that administer treatment, we don't actually we don't actually go for healing. 
And it's there that you find someone dealing with the same thing. They enter a church coming in, who knows, they're, they're thirsty and they have a lust problem. Um, they're sexually active, whatever. Or they steal or they get involved with crime, they drink, whatever your infirmity is. They come in and they'll be actively serving in church and actively going to church, attending services, serving like they're a part of the church. But no transformation is happening. Four, five, six, seven years, you're still dealing with the same sin. That's still your infirmity. We know that, you know, we're humans. We're imperfect. As things will fall. And as we, as we progress, you may pick up a new habit. Something new may come. You may have a new infirmity. You got rid of one, but now there's something new. But how can you come in, be in church, be in the presence of God constantly, be in his word, be in his presence, worship with him, spending time with him where he's changing your heart. You're beginning to look like him. You're being transformed by what? The the word. That's what the Bible says. And you're still dealing with the same sin four, five, six, seven years later? No. That's impossible. I don't believe it. I don't believe you can be doing everything you're supposed to be doing. Worshiping, praying, and reading the word of God constantly on a consistent basis and not change. How is that possible? Even if you go to school for one year every single day, you learn something new. When you finish one grade, you're more smarter than the grade that you end in. You won't be making the same mistakes. It's the same concept. There's no way you're spending time with God every day, going to church all the time, been in a church that is for you four, five, six, seven years. You're there, you're involved, you're serving, you're praying, you're reading the word, spending time with God, and you're dealing with the same infirmity for years and years and years. No, I don't believe it. No wrong i don't believe it and don't try to hit me with women with 12 issues of blood because at that time jesus was on earth so the holy spirit wasn't in us so they didn't have the privilege that we have to spend time with god every day try to find one in the new testament then we'll debate but until then don't come to me with it it's not possible somebody lying so it's either you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing behind the scenes and you put on a show in church put on a show in church, which many people do, or my thoughts are people do what they're supposed to do. They want to change. They want to be, they want to change. They want to be better. They come to church. They involve themselves, but they, they, they stop at those who administer treatment. They stop at doctors, leaders, pastors, uh, doctors, nurses, pastors, leaders, but they fail to go to the physician. And when that individual fails, because they're human and they will church hurt. They get, we get church hurt. Now, please don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to victim blame, victim shame or whatever it's called. You have to be careful when you have a little mini platform because people are always looking for a way to ruin you. <laughs> I'm not victim blaming, victim shaming, victim anything. But also maybe I can am because in the world, we are able to separate in the world, in the in the workplace, in the gym, in the parking lot, in the grocery store, the dollar store, the nail shop. <laughs> We're able to separate everywhere else that we go when there is a conflict, when there is offense, when there is a situation. We're able to understand that this is a problem with a person. But clearly in the church, we're not able to differentiate that. And, I, and I've and i let you know my thoughts. I really believe it's the agenda of the enemy. He can't fool me because why is that the only institution where the church itself is labor and not the people? Why is it that we're able to distinguish in the workplace, in everywhere else, that 
I have a conflict or a problem with an individual, this person has hurt me, and these are the steps that I need to take to, to either repatriate or to mend the relationship, or I can decide that I no longer want to have this relationship, but I'm still able to do it in a clean way. It's only in church. No, it doesn't happen. I don't understand. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> People can go to work and function, go to school and function well with their head, with their brain. And then they come to church and they leave their brain in the parking lot and they go and sit inside. Like, nobody does logical things. You're able to understand that in if I have a conflict with my colleague today, what part did I play in it? What part did they play in it? Okay, so let's go talk it out, work it out, be grown women, make sure that there's no hard feelings so that we can come together and do the work, so that we can come together and do the work that we are we are here to do, right? We can do that in, 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 in the office, right? But in church, it doesn't happen. In the office, at school, we're able to recognize, reflect, and understand that I play a part in what affects me. We're able to understand and recognize, and we're able to recognize and understand that I play a part in what affects me. But in church, for some reason, we can't do it. When these pastors and leaders fall, people decide, oh, I'm leaving church, I'm quitting church. This is not real, this is not this. But the place was never the problem. The problem is that you've put everything in a person sent to simply administer treatment, not give you healing. If I could give you the perfect analogy, I would say that our pastors and our leaders are like painkillers. God gave them to us to edify the church, to give us instant relief. When I'm going through something and I'm praying and I'm praying and I can't hear God because he's not tangibly and physically there, if I'm dealing with something that's bothering me and I can't feel God, I can go to my pastor and leader who can physically give me a hug when somebody breaks my heart and I'm crying. When I get bad news, my pastor and leader can physically hold my hand and pray for me. They can physically... They can physically give me a hug they can physically be there and i can hold them and see them and feel the the love tangibly of christ through them they're like a painkiller and i can take the painkiller over and over and over and over again but until i'm fully healed i'll always need a painkiller and so many christians are comfortable with just and and, and so many Christians are comfortable with having painkillers instead of permanent healing. And they become so attached, almost addicted to painkillers that even when the opportunity and the option for healing is there, they neglect it. And, And I need you to understand this concept before we go forward. I need you to get it because it's not gonna make sense. It's not gonna click until it does. But I really, trust me, I have spent time seeking God. I've spent time doing research, reading stories, everything that I can to see how people have been affected and how they've been hurt in church. And trust me, I'm not discrediting it. It's a real thing. And I know church hurt isn't just black and white. I know it's not just petty issues of ministry and my leader took advantage of me. I know that there are serious, serious implications and serious, serious ways in which people get hurt. And, and, but by way of even being um, sexually assaulted, even being sexually assaulted or taken advantage of sexually and things like that. I understand that all these things happen. I understand that all these things are present, but I still don't believe that is enough to write off a location just like that. Because if we bring it out, if we even take away the church and we bring it out of the church, these things happen 
in the workplace. These things happen at school, at the nail shop, at the grocery store. Like I've been saying, they happen everywhere. Do we write off those places automatically because incidents and and be, do we write off those places automatically because of the incidents that occur there? No, but we write off church. This is what leads me to believe that it is the agenda of the enemy. Ultimately, as a Christian, you have to get to the point of maturity where you you decide that your spiritual life and your walk with God will not be impacted by the hypocrisy of others. Uh, I was telling someone the other day that there comes a point in your walk where you have to make a decision. You've been given all the options. You see what it has to offer. You've seen God move in your life. You know how your life is with God. But at the end of the day, you are on earth with people. It would be so easy if it was just you and God, just you and God, you and God, like Adam in the garden, you and God, ain't no sin there. As soon as another person entered, all of a sudden there was sin, there was this, there was that, there was that. And that was his wife. As long as you are interacting with human beings, there will always be something to trip you up. There will always be something, there'll be other voices in your ear, there'll be other things occurring, there'll be things that will obviously, there'll be, as soon as you bring another human into mix, there will be, there will always be something. There'll be other voices in your ear. There'll be things occurring. If it was just you and God, it'll be simple, easy, but it's not. God puts you on earth to deal with people because people hold your blessing. People prune you. It's these offenses, these occurrences, as sad as it may be. These are the things that make you stronger, make you better, that teach you, that grow you, right? And so, with that being said, you need to come to a point in your walk where you make a decision. You have to decide that I'm in this. I am a Christian. I am going to live for Christ and I'm going to put aside sin. I want to live righteous. I want to live holy despite the temptation. It's a decision you have to make. I hate, I, oh, okay, I don't hate anybody, but I can't stand when people are being lukewarm. It's, oh, my biggest pet peeve. I, ooh, whew, don't get me there. Don't get me there. Not today. Not today. But you need to make a decision. You come to the point where you say, I am deciding to follow Jesus and I'm putting away the old things. You may slip, you may trip, you may fall every once in a while. Hmm, it may get hard. You have a little boyfriend. Y'all been dating for a long time. Uh, he looked at Maggie fine. You were hanging out late. Okay. You maybe slept together, but when it becomes a habitual thing, it's no longer a fall. A fall is an occasional thing, by the way. I said I wasn't going to go there. Teresa, go away. Go away. Abort mission. Abort mission. Abort mission. Anyways, you make a decision. Like, in the same way, you have to make a decision. Despite what I'm thrown at. Despite what happens. Despite what people do. I have decided to follow Jesus. Okay? Despite the hypocr hypocrisy of others, despite the pain, the hurt, whatever happens, I have decided to follow Jesus. Many people who have experienced church hurt will tell you that what healed them from church hurt was church. They were at one church and they were hurt and they thought, oh, you know, I can't do this, da, 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 and they left. That's fine. You know, that's okay. But obviously... You know, you want to be where God has called you. If you've prayed about it, you've sought God, you feel like that's no longer the place for you, that's okay. But walking away from the whole institution is what bothers me. That is the plan of the enemy, boys and girls. The enemy is trying to get into your mind and make you think that church as a whole, the whole institution is bad. When you are offended, when you are hurt, when you are constantly bullied or going through it at work, you go 
and you de- and you decide that you need to leave that workplace, you leave that workplace. But do you just stop working? No, you go and find another workplace. And so shall it be with our walks with God, because you cannot write off a place completely because of offense. And that is what I need you to understand. You can't head out of Christianity. You can't. You cannot peace out to God. You cannot peace out to your faith. You cannot peace out to your religion, your purpose, and everything that God has for you just because of offense. You cannot be that. You cannot You cannot give people that much power. You cannot. And the same place that the enemy is trying to drive you out of is the same place that will heal you from whatever you've been hurt from in church. No one has been hurt more by the church than Jesus, yet he still shows up. This man came to earth, gave his life, sacrificed having a wife, kids, family, all of that, carried a cross physically, died on it, was bleeding to the point where there was no blood left. That's what the Bible says. Hung on a cross for people who he knew would probably never actually have a relationship with him. People he knew probably would never even love him the way he yearns to be loved. People he knew would never really appreciate. People he knew that despite all of that would still fall in sin, will still make mistakes. No one has been hurt more by the church than Jesus, but he still shows up. No one. And I understand. I get it completely. I, I Trust me, I do. Everybody wants to be loved, but nobody wants to get hurt. But you need to understand vulnerability is necessary for love. So you come into a church and you're vulnerable and it hurts you because your vulnerability, you bared, you bared yourself. You were vulnerable. You were open and you were hurt. But pain is a part of the process. I'm sorry to say, if you want to love in life, be it in church, be it another human being, marriage, be it friends, uh, your child, anything, anyone that you want to love in life, you need to be able to one, understand that you will have pain. They will hurt you. Pain is a part of the process of love. You must be vulnerable, but love, as we know, is a decision that I choose to, despite the fact that you will fail me, be here and love you because I love God, his work and his kingdom. Ladies and gentlemen, the perfect church is a myth. It does not exist. And I'll do you one better. It will never exist. It will never exist because we are humans and humans will fall short. And so if you're going to follow Christ, if you're going to be a Christian, you have to let stop letting other people, other struggling Christians define Christianity. The point of being a Christian is following Christ. Where Christ is, I am. I follow Christ and that's it. There are people, yes, that he sends. There are people that are there to bless you. I may have conflict. I may have issues. But despite all of that, I'm following Christ. And one of the things that Christ asks us to do is not to forego or forsake the gathering of the assembly, which is church. 
He knew when he sent us there that there would be issues, that there would be problems, that there will be hurt, yet he still sent us there. So there's got to be a reason. Another reason that I think church hurt occurs is because of church culture. Church in this century is made up of culture, which I think is so, so problematic. Um... I mean, culture is not a bad thing. Culture is a part of society. But the greatest thing about the walk, our walk with God is that it is personal. That's the best thing about it. What I experience with God is different from what you experience with God. And it's different from me on a daily basis. And it's different from you on a daily basis. How you hear God, how you see God, how you experience God is different. From me, it, the fact that we all believe in the same person, we all believe in the same thing, but our experiences are so different is what I personally think is the best part of it a best part of it because it's so personal and so personable and I know that God cares about me so much to give me a personal encounter based on what I need it's not just like a cookie cutter one size fits all you either relate or you don't but no God takes the time to get to know us our strengths and weaknesses based on our past experiences our decisions our mistakes and all of that and he makes our relationship perfectly tailored for who we are that's the best thing about walking with God, honestly. But but we ourselves have created Christian culture. And that is where everything needs to be done a certain way. If you don't worship a certain way, act a certain way, do things a certain way, respond a certain way, fit a description of a fake blueprint of Christianity, you're all of a sudden not saved enough or you're not rated or you, you don't have a relationship with God. If you don't do the most, if you're not like me and you don't have a podcast or do the most and post about God every day, oh, you must be less saved. You must be less saved or else you know you will be out there. Or if you post too much and you talk about God every day, you're overdoing. Like There's so much Christian culture. Like Everybody has opinions and, and, and a blueprint of what the perfect Christian should be and what they should look like. But like, wow, you don't even know what God tells somebody. Like, What if God actually tells me I should do this, this, this? And you're sitting here on the sidelines saying, oh, Teresa's doing too much. Or what if somebody tells God that, no, you should not start anything. You should not even talk about me uh, on anything. Just this is your season to hibernate and just be in the background I'm developing you and that's how somebody will be standing there and saying oh look at this person they say they're a Christian but they do nothing for God like shut up everybody's relationship is different everybody's experience is different that is the best part but church culture has created fake blueprints and because people feel like they can't relate they either try to force themselves to assimilate and it doesn't work and they end up in church hurt or they just feel that they don't belong and it creates another form of church hurt. One of the things that pisses me off the most, I think is the most, oh, I can't stand it. When Christians try to shame other Christians or other believers for only coming to church on special days like oh this is a, a Sunday Christian or an Easter Christian or, or a Good Friday Christian or a Christmas Christian oh this person only comes to church on special holidays okay okay Mr. Churchgoer because you yeah you're in church every day clap for yourself we're so happy but like somebody decided to go to church four times a week four times a year and you who's in church every at 50 all 52 all 52 weeks of the year and even wednesday services and all we understand you've done more great but like i said we are not saved by works 
That is one day that the person chose spirit over flesh. That is one day that they drag they drag themselves to church, whether they're not there, whether they're there all the time, they're not there all the time. That day they chose that their spirit will will rise above their flesh and they will go to church. Instead of you to celebrate them, Christians will talk. This is how church hurt occurs. People feel unworthy because of their inability to keep up with the perfection complex. They feel like they have to turn away from church because a Christian should be a certain way. And if I can't go to church all the time, I'm not good. And if I don't have uh, something of my own that is obvious, I'm not good. And if my anointing isn't dripping for everybody to see, I'm not good. If it's not my time to manifest the vision that God has has given me, I'm not good. Because real Christians there, you should be able to this, this, like church culture is so problematic that thing is poisonous church culture i believe me teresa mark on the wall i don't care take it anywhere i believe church culture is the number one the number one reason for church hurt i don't and i won't accept anything else definitely there are definitely other reasons as well but me personally i think church culture is the number one reason for church hurt Okay, so great. You're probably listening thinking, mm, okay, right, right, right. I've experienced church hurt or maybe I've been used to administer church hurt without knowing or knowing. But okay, now we've identified this problem. We know that it's a problem in our church communities. What can we do to prevent it? What can we do to rectify the situation? It's not enough to just talk about something to recognize it's there, but we are losing souls on a daily basis over these things. So what can we do? How can we do our part to make sure that this minimizes and gets to the point where eventually people aren't being hurt by our actions? How can I live my life intentionally so that I am not contributing to what the enemy is doing? Because if you're not being used of God, guess who you're being used of? Ding, 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 the enemy. So what next? Well, this is the opener of a series that I entitled, I'm a head out as you saw, because so many believers are leaving the church because of church hurt and I say believers because usually when you come to church it's because you believe in God like <laughs> it's not it's not pe- people that don't believe in God usually don't find themselves there if you come to church it's because you believe in God now we understand and we know what we should know that there are some believers people that believe in God that don't go to church they believe in God a hundred percent but they don't go to church and one of the reasons that that happens is because of church hurt they don't feel like it's a safe place for them or whatever and so in this series I really want to get into church hurt this obviously was the introduction episode we're just laying the foundation but in the following episodes I want to talk from two perspectives like I said I have been I have been hurt in church I have I know what it's like So I want to talk from the member perspective, from me being a member and being hurt by those that I look up to as leaders. But I've also been a leader in church where I allowed myself to be used to hurt another individual. So I want to talk from that perspective as well. Because I've been privileged enough to have both perspectives in even more than one church, I feel like in even more than one church, I feel led to to share from both perspectives just to talk about it because I know that sometimes as a leader you don't realize that you you don't realize 
as a leader, you don't actually realize the level of influence, the level of influence and the role that you play in a person's life. Because you yourself are still trying to figure it out. And, and and you're trying to work for God and balance everything you have going on. But you're also trying to fulfill your purpose. And, and, and sometimes it's easy to let things fall through the cracks. And you're human. And that's okay. And that's why we're here to grow and to learn. So you don't always realize you're being used to, to, to let someone down. Or to hurt somebody. So I do want to talk about that. And then there's obviously those people that know what they're doing. They just power trip. And they really, really just want to hurt people. Because they feel good. They are trash. But, you know, mercy is available. And then from the, the flip side, as a member, I've always I've also been in a position where I put so much faith into a leader. And then I heard something or something happened. And then, wow, the person is not perfect. Oh my God what is this? I've been tricked. But no, I wasn't tricked. Like, fam, why are you putting that much into a, a human being? It's a human being. And of, of course, a lot of other things. So, um, yeah, definitely this is what this series is going to be about. I know that I have a bad habit of saying that there's going to be a series and then talking about one episode in the series, opening the series, and then never doing the series again. It's a very bad habit. I did that for Hot Girl Summer. But... Like I said in the q and I have learned that what God is teaching me is not necessarily the word for the season. And that is the reason that was happening. Because every time God would teach me something else, I would be like, oh my God, I gotta go share this. This is so great. But no, finish what God has said that he wants to say to his people. And then later you can talk about that. So definitely we will continue this series. This is just an opener. Um, if you will permit me, I would like to give you some homework. Um, this is a new thing that I want to try on this Azzy and Save podcast. I feel like it's really going to help us grow. Um, definitely you can come on here. You can listen for 30, 45, 50, one hour, one, two hours, three hours. I don't know. You can come on here and listen to the podcast and you can have some takeaways and you can have some nuggets and it can really cause you to think about things and see things differently. And that's the point of this. But until you actually call, until you actually take the steps to do what you need to do, until you have real call to action, until you actually reflect, until you actually allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you outside of what you've heard and learned, you're not going to change. And listen, (laughs) I'm not here to just talk and waste my time. Like what? I'm joking. Um, just following what I was teaching earlier. If truly and just following what i was teaching earlier when you are called you are called to a particular people but the point of your anointing is to break yokes chains and bondages it's to change a person from one way to another way so if i come here and i blab and i rant and i make you laugh and i be and i be speaking all sorts of things and it makes you feel good and it motivates you but you don't actually change or you don't actually learn anything then my assignment is not finished my assignment is not fulfilled or completed until people Chains are actually being broken. Bondages, chains and yokes and bondages are being broken. People are actually changing and benefiting from the oil in my life. So these times we're going to be doing homework. When we finish, you will have a task and I hope that you do it. If you don't, it's your own. But know that I offered you the, the opportunity to take the task so that the Holy Spirit can actually minister to you. This is not a replacement for your quiet time with Jesus. As you listen, go and spend quiet time with Jesus so that he can speak to you, so that he can change you, and so that he can do everything he wants to do in your life through me. Amen? Amen. So 
So your task, your task for today is to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you and go and ask God, if you are a leader, if you have ever been a leader, if you want to be a leader, how you have caused harm or hurt to somebody. How has your actions, your leadership, what? how has your actions, your leadership, or what be it caused offense or hurt to someone that could possibly cause, has offense or hurt to someone. And if you're not, if you're in a member, member position, on the flip side, that's great to think about how someone's actions or whatever it has been has offended or caused hurt to you. So basically right now today, you're just exploring church hurt. Have I been used to cause church hurt for to someone? Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. If not, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. On the flip side, has somebody been used to cause church hurt to me? Now, once you've identified those two things, you're going to pray. If someone has been used to cause church hurt to you, don't lie. Yes, someone has. If you are in church, it has happened to you. Definitely. Whether it's your current church or previous church, wherever. If you are in church and you're actually involved and you, you actually make the effort to go, someone has offended you because they're humans and that's what they do. So I want you to pray, forgive, release the person, whatever it is. Realize, oh, this hurt me. This this hurt me, why it hurt you. Let the Holy Spirit minister to you. This is a session with the Holy Spirit. It's a session of healing. Just think about it, pray for them, release it, whatever it is, let it go, learn from it, whatever the Holy Spirit wants to say to you. I don't know what he's gonna say, but just bring it before the throne room of God. I want you to do this so that it cannot be used later down the line as a seed of bitterness, as anything. We don't wanna give the enemy any room this year to trip us up and so that's why we're bringing it before the throne room of God simple like that leaders the same thing if you have been used to hurt anybody or you feel something that you have done will hurt somebody I'll tell you about my personal experience next week I think I did a poll on Twitter I think I did a poll on Instagram and I think leaders won first I did a personal experience uh, I, I want to tell you a personal experience about um a mentorship type of opportunity that I dropped the ball on completely which I know would have caused church hurt for somebody and so definitely as a leader you take it too to the throne room ask God to teach you from that God what did I do wrong reveal it to me forgive yourself and ask God to teach you from that experience so it doesn't happen again I hope you do your homework I hope you are blessed definitely this was the foundation that's why it's a short little one but um yeah we're getting into church hurt it's going to be an amazing series I already know so you already know the drill. If you have a question, send it into the anonymous question box and we'll answer that. If you have a comment, anything to add, you can send a voice message via Anchor and you may find yourself in the episode. If you would like to partner with us and be one of our sponsors, look in the episode notes below. Instagram and Twitter, follow, follow, follow me on Instagram and Twitter. That's where all the fun is, at Teresa Ajumang, at T-E-R-E. S-A-A-G-Y-E-M-A-N-G. You can follow the page. You can follow the brand page at on Instagram at Sassy and Saved M-V-M-T. Finally, if you've been blessed and you feel like somebody else needs to hear the word, don't be greedy. Make sure that you share it on your Instagram, your socials, whatever it is, and tag me so you can get your little shout out and I can show you love.
And finally, last, last but not least, if you're willing, please live, if you're willing, please leave us a rating or review within your app. I think I've checked off all the bases. It's about time to end this podcast. Anywho, I hope you are blessed. I hope you learned something. Um, until next time, sassy and safe, baby.